We should be live, Billy. What's up? All right. Welcome, brother. This is no nothing new from you. You've been with us about two years now. You were with us, our original training, The Hero's Calling, and you're about to coach it. And that's how we got here in this conversation, you coming to the men's training. So before we take off, let me introduce myself and then you get introduced yourself. Hi, everyone. This is Sebastian Wynn, uh, co-founder of Dental Syndicate with Dr. Jeff Booski, my business partner and partner in crime. Um, we're interviewing today Dr. Billy, <laughs> what's it, your nickname? Billy <laughs> Phillips. And uh, he'll introduce himself here in a minute. Just tell him a little bit about you, family, background, practice, and so they get to see who you are, Billy. Yeah, my name's Billy Phillips. I'm a oral surgeon in Dallas, Texas. Been practicing about 20 years. Um, have a great wife, Anna Lee. Been married 24 years this year. And I have two children, uh, John, who's a sophomore in college. He's 20. And Sarah, who is about to be a freshman in college. She is 18. And a dog and a cat. <laughs> you can't forget them. They're on your videos also. Um, so, Billy, thanks for coming on. Today, we're just going to talk about your experience. You went, was it last two weekends ago, right? Two weekends ago? Two weekends ago, uh, yep. the men's training. Yep, we did the men's training in Granbury, Texas, of uh, Dr. Wooski's office. And it was um, quite a different experience. So, you went with us to the our original training um, the heroes calling about two years ago. Now you just experienced immense training. What was different about this training for you? You know, I, what I took into the training is I had some tools to take in there with me already. And I just got different revelations or different answers or clarity around, around, just new questions that I have in my life. And I'm, you know, just having those tools and the progress uh, I've made with them have been so, so powerful. Yeah. And I love what you said there. It's been two years and you've grown, you have moved. And so you're needing new questions answered. You attended men's training, you got different tools. But the other part I was kind of alluding to and hitting towards was you didn't go alone. That's right. That's right. Actually, my son John came and what a, oh, that's a whole nother training, father, sons, <laughs> but it was, it was so great. And if he had not have been there, I'm not sure I would have gotten my greatest gift. Yeah. Well, let's start off. What was your greatest gift? Let's start off with your greatest gift and we'll go from there. I mean, you can't, well, you know what? Let's tease everybody. Let's hold off on your greatest. I got some questions that, yeah. you know, because it, it is a powerful thing and, we, we really want to direct you that way. And there's um, only a niche audience that can be able to accept it because you have to be 18 or older. And so that means their son has to be at least in college or just graduate going into college. And there's not many dentists out there at that life stage. There are. There are a lot. Um, there are a lot, but not many in our sphere up until now. So, I mean, I would love to fill up a room with nothing but father and sons. That would just be one crazy training, men's training, um, for the experiences they go through, what they do. And every time we've had it, that was our third one. It changes every time. We listen to the feedback. We adjust certain things, and we get different results. And only the coaches know what we did previous to it. But everyone, they change and they evolve so that the principles go deeper into you. So tell me this. Um, we talked about being a king, a warrior, a lover, and a magician. 
We said a holistic man, a hero we call him, is one who is a um, um, hero of his own story. Means he leads himself. He leads himself to be a king, a warrior, a magician, and lover whenever it's needed to be. What of those four archetypes of a man uh, was like most imprinted on you that you discovered the most and you realized, well, I didn't realize that, and you just kind of grew into that archetype? Well, um, you know, I think when I think about those, those archetypes, really sitting in the area of a king, I, I don't feel like I'm, I have made it, you know, I haven't made it, but I have achieved a certain way about me or a maturity and I still have responsibility to those around me to, to live, to live that out, to continue to grow that kingdom, to foster it, steward it. Um, that just really stood out with me. And then the, I, the architect of, the archetype of the, of the lover, you know, like just loving others, um, wanting to be loved and what that means to be like mature in that, um, you know, the lessons around the duality of both of those things, you know, you can be a king, but you can also be a tyrant and it's really important to where you, where you balance those things out in your life. Yeah, and you could be a lover. Yeah, you could be a lover and be a mama's boy. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy, totally. isn't it? Yeah. 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 So we, the duality, as you call it, we call it the shadow side. So for every mature side of the king, the lover, the magician, the warrior, is the immature side or the shadow side, the duality of them. And we're not self-aware of them. We'll easily slip into those shadows and not with the way to come back out. And you know, it's interesting you said you have been practicing over 20 years. Um, do you have your own practice? Yes. Uh-huh. Am I correct that you own your own building? Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, you are pretty successful in a sense of, you know, you don't struggle for clients. You, you've been doing this for 20 years, well-established in the industry. Wouldn't I, would I be correct? Yes, I would say so. And isn't it funny how you still don't feel like a king? Oh yeah. It goes back to that, you know, that the idea of never being enough, like there's maybe, you know, it's not like you, it's not the idea of being satisfied for something. That's, that's, that's probably okay. And somewhat healthy, but the idea of never being enough inside, like in your heart. And that's been a real struggle for my own personal struggle for, uh, for years. I would say for decades that I just wasn't enough uh, for others. And as a result, I didn't feel like I was enough for myself. Man, you, wow. Billy, like, like you normally do, you just dropped a huge bomb. And that's exactly, absolutely 1 million percent accurate is it's never about the material wealth and possession that a king has that makes him a king. It's his self-acceptance to sit on the throne. The throne could be there. Everybody can be there. The kingdom can be fortified. Everything can be there. But if you don't sit in that chair and accept the position of a king, then you can't be the king. You can't rule over your kingdom. You can't uh, keep order and expand it, which we talk about two primary roles of that archetype. And it comes from your self-acceptance um, of yourself. And that's why it's so important to know this. So do you remember what happens when you don't accept yourself? Who do you show up as? You're still a king, 
but this is the duality or the worst form of the king. Do you remember? Yeah, you show up in myself. I've shown up as a tyrant. Yeah, and like just trying to lead from my position rather than, or you know, it wasn't even leadership. It was like pushing people from behind. Yeah. Wow. Rather than leading from, you know, leading in front of people. And, uh, you know, you're just a brat. You're just a brat. Yep. We call it high chair time. Yeah. Just, (laughs) you know, you're sitting in your high chair, banging your spoon for it. Give me more food. Give it me more. (laughs) And we're just throwing a tantrum and people are like, what the hell's going on? This is an adult male, but he's acting like a high tier, high chair tyrant. And not only you, myself, other men, when we're not clear that we're created to be a king and we don't see ourselves in that position. And so we instinctively have to get things done and we just act like a tyrant. And I love your metaphor of pushing them from behind. It's like kings lead from the front. Kings eat first. Kings are the one that are tip of the arrow and goes before others to pave the way behind them set space for the container. And I love your metaphor of pushing people from behind. It's like, hey, something dangerous happens, you're going to get it first. <laughs> Come on, oh, yeah. yeah, and I mean, how many stories do we hear of like in our profession, in, in the dental profession, in the medical profession, you know, the doctor throws stuff on the floor, the doctor yells at his assistant, you know, wh- whatever it is, it's just childish behavior. Mm-hmm. so much of it's just living in the shadow side there yeah and so what uh dr phillips talking about is when you live in the shadow side we have expression when you live in integrity and our definition of integrity is not honor is not doing your word that's the traditional definition we take it a little bit deeper and it says you have to honor your word because you can't always do your word and if you don't get to do your word you recommit to your word and uh, you do it, even though it doesn't look like the way you said you're going to do it. But we say you're whole and complete, lacking nothing, when you don't hide anything in the shadows or in the darkness. You're whole and complete, lacking nothing, because you're not hiding in the shadow and darkness. If everything is in the light in front of you, you're in control. Might not be what you want, but now you have a choice and you're in control. So when he's saying that when you hide things in the shadow side is when the childish kid comes up because he has to hide Yes, hide his anger, his resentment, and whatever he has behind him. And so, Billy, I'm going to go there with you because that's part of our culture. You said you didn't feel like you were enough for other people. So, obviously, you didn't feel you were enough for yourself. So, growing up, list the people because I think every man goes this journey. The difference is you brought it from the shadows and put it to light. Who were you trying to please? Um, parents, coaches, oh, oh, yeah. siblings, like, teachers? Everyone. You're everyone. Trying to be a people pleaser to everyone, mm. parents, coaches, uh, siblings, uh, friends, teachers, all of that, all of that. Wow. Um, and I mean, there's no anger about it. It's just recognition of it. Mm-hmm. Like um, the way I feel or my experience is that people pleasing eventually just makes you, or for me, it just made me uh, distant and resentful. Yes. And, you know, somewhat angry because it's just like a repressed anger. Yep. 
And, and here's the funniest part. Go ahead. No, I mean, just that I, when I think about those situations, it just, it was all about just how could I distance myself from other people so I didn't have to please them when I didn't want, to, you know, like if I could just rely on myself solely then I didn't have to please someone else. Man, I love what you just said right there. I would distance myself so I wouldn't have to please them, right? Mm-hmm. And then so you go do what? Solely please yourself. But guess what? That didn't work either, did it? Once you distance yourself. No, because you just, you know, you distance yourself from actually probably, I, I distance, my, distance myself from people I cared about. Yeah. And that was the, I would say, I was missing out on the wholeness of like love and life just by pulling away from others. Yep. See, the secret is not distance ourselves. The secret is communicating what we want in that relationship. And we just haven't been educated, trained, and taught this. We've been taught everything opposite, like you said, people pleasing. And if you have a religious background, you're really screwed. Because one of the Christian religious backgrounds will say this, serve others and sacrifice yourself. So basically, until you become Jesus, the Savior, when we already have one, and your whole life is, quote, quote, people-pleasing. Serving others and you sacrificing dying. And you say it yourself, it's called resentment. Because right. then, everything you do, watch this, uh, Billy, this is a, when I learned that it, it just got me even more pissed off. Ready? Everything I did when I was people-pleasing had strings attached. I people-pleased so they would acknowledge me. They would say something, give something back to me. And if they didn't, what the fuck? Did you not just see what I did? Did you not like what I did for you? I sacrificed for you, and I'd lose my shit because they didn't acknowledge me. I did things with strings attached. That's what people-pleasing looks like. What do you think? Yeah, no. That just, whenever I hear that, it's always uh, the idea of conditional love. And yes. like there are all these conditions around it. And then if there are, then it's not really love. Mm-mm. Like there's only just, there's either love or no love. There's not like any other grades of it. That's and, right. Um, that was actually the concept when I got through that it just allowed me to be more authentic in my relationships, especially with my wife and my children. I love what you said about being more authentic. Say, wait, before that, hold on to that word authentic with your relationship. Okay. Let's just close up this chapter on people pleasing and resentment. Now I'm, I'm sure you remember this, but resentment is like drinking rat poison, expecting the other person to die. They are yeah. totally living life like normal, normal. They don't even know what the hell is going on. And you're angry. You're bitter. You're resentful, right? And you're drinking rat poison, dying. Yeah, you motherfucker. You know, you're like, I hate you. You didn't acknowledge me. You don't know how much I do for you. And you know, they're all like, Lulu, Lulu, life is happy. And they're just going on. Bitterness and resentment. It's like drinking rat poison, expecting the other person to die. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> it's the Isn't dumbest that- thing. Right. It's so crazy. But once we're uh, once it's out into the light, we can see we're like, man, I don't want to choose that. That's just that's nobody wins in that scenario. That's pretty yeah. stupid. <laughs> yeah. 
done it for years, man. Done it for years. I know. All right. So now, though, you said something very powerful. You said, you know what? I'm not doing that. I'm not going to love with strings attached. I'm not going to have unconditional love. The fact that we have to define love to be unconditional love means we lost the meaning of love. I mean, that just pissed me off the way I predicate with the word unconditional. Love is love. Exactly like you said, Billy. And you say you start becoming more authentic. What does that mean? Well, I mean, like to the, the idea of love, like that I gave love to my family and my children, despite what they had done or did or didn't do, you know, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't like re- reliant on them performing or doing exactly what I wanted them to do. I just loved them. You know, I don't have to agree with them. And that really bridged relationships when I was able to open my heart to that versus, yep. versus putting conditions on, my, on everything. Here's what I'm hearing you say. You just started loving your family as they are. You yeah. them for who they are. Totally. And I just started loving myself for who I was. Yes. Like, that was the most powerful thing. I was like, hey, I'm a good father. I'm a good husband. Hey, what else do I need to do? I love myself. That's great. I'm already Absolutely. there. Absolutely. And when you could do that, Billy, that's when you can love your, your family just the way are. So you and I are very similar age. I'm about to be 26 years married. Uh, you're 24. I'm 51. You're 50, right? About to be 50. About to be 50. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to go motorcycle ride for your 50th. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Thailand to Vietnam. <laughs> oh, that's all right, buddy. That would be awesome. Definitely the that's 95. Yeah. You bring John, I'll bring Caleb. Oh, my God. What a trip that would be. Mm-hmm. That would be awesome. Okay. So think about that. That's the seed plant. But here's what I learned about uh, myself and love and accepting myself. And, and this is what, I mean, it just changed everything. I fundamentally blink, a blink. I fundamentally believe that is our only purpose on this earth. If what can, if the whole fucking journey that we're on is just accept ourselves, uniquely, wonderfully create like no other. Because there is no other. Science has proven no identical twins are identical. There is no two human beings exactly the same. Yeah, I hear that. You know what I I hear in that? I hear the word self-identity. Like that journey, you're just looking for that self-identity to be, to accept yourself. And, you know, it's so crazy. Like the self-talk inside my head sometimes it's like I'm my worst I was my worst enemy and why that's just like crazy you already know why based on the training where those voices come from yeah it was just old stories <laughs> old stories experiences the way I interpreted them yep we call them voices all those old voices the whispers that they, the voices turn into whispers in your ear. Billy, you're not enough. That was only an A. It's not an A plus. Other people can beat you in dental school. Billy, you're not enough for her. Billy, you're not enough for him. Billy, you're not enough. You hear those voices a million times from parents, from peers, 
from coaches, from society, from marketing. You're not enough to buy this car, Billy. You're not enough to live in this house, Billy. Then with the culture of dentistry, you're not enough to have so many chairs and you have this big $10 million office and you're not enough to X, Y, and Z. And after you hear so many of those, Billy, what other voices do you hear? Yeah, you don't. You just accept it as truth. And, you know, really, it's not. It's just opinions. Yeah. And, um, but depending on who it comes from, you can put a lot of weight in it. Absolutely. Very good. Because it does matter. All, not all voices are the same volume. You're absolutely right. So I want to go back to this. I want to get your opinion on this because I've been wrestling with this thought and my life has been easier since I've got this conclusion. If this storyline called life that we've been on, that life is happening and I don't care who you acknowledge as a greater being, God, Jesus, Karma, Muhammad, Buddha, universe, whatever. But if you don't acknowledge something bigger and greater than you, I think we need to have a conversation because then you become the greatest entity in the world. It's called God. So let's just say God. You're walking through this thing called life, timeline life. God, the creator of heavens and earth, drops you in this timeline while it's going. Listen, the timeline's going. You're dropped right in the middle of this timeline. And the whole journey for me, once you've been dropped in timeline, until you get removed from the timeline, is to find yourself. Like you said, your self-identity. Now, what if we find our self-identity and we accept ourselves whole and complete, lacking nothing? Nothing here in the shadows, nothing here in the darkness. And we get to be uniquely, wonderfully us, not comparing ourselves to anybody, not even our father, if we had him around. Because that's usually the biggest influence in our life as a man. And we, and we accepted our unique, quirky self-identity. Bald head, five foot seven, spotty mustache, can't grow a full goatee. If I just accept myself fully as I am, how do you think that affects my relationship, my wife, my children, my friends, everyone? What would you say? How does that affect you, Billy? You know what? I, the word abundance comes from, to mind when you, when you said that. Like, how does that affect everyone around me? Yeah, you accept yourself. And as a result, it makes me think and believe that I accept others as well. You know, how can I accept others when I don't even accept myself? How can I love others when I don't love myself? Mm. And those are just the questions that come to my mind. Yeah. And you know what? I believe that maybe that, that journey of self-identity is probably always ongoing. Mm -hmm. because our ideas and our world's constantly changing. Yep. For me, every day is something I've never faced before. And I would, I love what you said about the word abundance, because if you accept others uniquely the way they are different, not comparing, not trying to get fit them into a mold or a certain way so you could control them. So you don't have to be surprised by them. So you, they could just be uniquely himself. It is more abundant. They're more different. They bring more to the table, more to the relationship. So I love that abundance. But you said something so freaking prof prof profound here. We never arrive of identifying ourselves, discovering ourselves, because the world is constantly changing and the world is constantly attacking us. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's not acceptance. Hey, you're not enough. Billy, do you have become? Look, you're a successful dentist. Not yet. You need more. We're not enough, more, more. So, hey, let's remodel our house. But when we bought it, it was the best in the neighborhood. 
So now we're throwing more money in remodeling our house. Hey, wait, your car, it has 50,000 miles on it. Even though they're designed for 200,000 miles now, you know, gotta right. get a new one. You know, the world's always after us. Oh, that clothes, it's too old, out of style, this and that. I mean, it's, it's just crazy. And that's why we have to acknowledge our archetype as a warrior. And our warrior does not mean, I mean, unfortunately, it, people take it out of context. Like it has to be brutal and fighting and, and all that. No, a warrior fights what's in front of him because he knows who's behind him. Fights the lies, the social media, the bullshit that our school teaches our kids. It fights all those things, not in a demonstrative way as in blood and brutal brutality, but maybe an intellectual way, a philosophical way, and a spiritual way, and at times, if needed, a physical way. So tell me your opinion about the concept and the idea that the world's constantly fighting us, and we have to let the archetype of a warrior be present. What are you hearing? What, what, what's coming up for you? Yeah, what, what it does, it takes me back to the training on all of the archetypes, really, um, that the world is sending us messages to keep us in the shadow side. And it's harder to live in the full warrior or the full king, the full lover, or the full sage, magician, however you, you, you want to put it. Because the world's telling us that that's not enough. No, we're not enough. Mm -hmm. And it tends to make you fall back in the shadow. Be a baby. Be like a... What's the shadow side of the warrior? Yeah, we just went blank. A uh, shadow side of warrior? Oh shoot! It's the um. Wait, wait, wait. Baby is the king. The warrior. He's also a fighter. Oh, uh, the prince. The coward. Just yeah, being, coward uh, prince. The coward. That doesn't mean that like you go out and you fight everyone physically, fist fighting. But maybe you're just afraid of just getting up the next day, and doing yeah. something. You know, I. Uh, yeah, I hear that about the world and social media. And I can even speak, I won't speak for my son, but I can speak of some conversations we've had. And yeah, he, 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 he affirms that idea of, of what you're talking about. Yeah. And you know, the other thing you alluded to, because we're about the 30 minute mark and I'm going to get 15 more minutes of your time here, Max. And so I want you to go into your biggest takeaway, but I love the other part you said is the archetype of a lover An archetype of lover is very simple. We, I think we have bastardized it for this generation for men. Men see if you're going to be a lover, then you are not masculine. You are very feminine. You are um, not a provider and protector. You are a pushover. Just the term of man being a lover has such a negative connotation these days. And so that's why to go to the other stream, we say, no, you have to be a warrior to be a man. And like, no, who, who likes a caveman going around beating people in the head and just dragging them? You no, know, consistently. That's the right. only dynamics you have. But the warrior is one who's, I think, I mean, the warrior, the lover to me is the most powerful one out of all of them. More powerful than a king, more powerful than a warrior, more powerful than a magician. And that's just the season I'm life I'm in. And I'll tell you why. Because a lover is in touch with their emotions. <laughs> a lover no, can say, no. I feel. Yes, I, I agree. I once I could get in touch with my emotions and I realized that I had been so distant mm -hmm. with the people I cared about. Loving them was all I really cared about. 
and expressing that towards them, letting them know, like where there were no, no questions about it. Yeah. And I agree. Like that's to me, what you need to, what you love about is what you will fight for. Yeah. 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 That's I'm telling you, I'm, I'm still in this game because I was raised boys don't cry. I was raised men drink. We fight, we smoke, we have sex and you're a real man. You know, Hey, I took it all away. Did some time, you know, I did some time. I still didn't become a man. And so I became most powerful when I was vulnerable. And I believe the most powerful man in any room is the most vulnerable who knows their emotions. I'm afraid I'm scared. I'm mad. I'm sad. I'm tired. And when you can just own that and Oh my gosh, you're so powerful. It's, it's just amazing. So one side of lovers acknowledging their emotions, the other side of a healthy lover, the most healthiest lover is having empathy and acknowledging someone else's emotions without having to fix them. Just acknowledging their emotions, sitting in it with them, holding that space for when someone loses someone and they die. And you don't have to fix them, you just sit in there, hold that space. Or when someone has a miscarriage and you just sit in that space, you don't have to fix them. Where someone just lost a lot of money in the office, sit there to hold that space. But it's a dual sword. You had to be able to hold that space for yourself first, acknowledge your own emotions, and then you're able to sit in their emotions with them. And that's why I'm saying a lover, in my opinion, is the most powerful of all the four archetypes for me. What do you think about the empathy side? Tell me about that. Yeah, no, I, I think the empathy, empathy side is definitely important and is a barometer of like maturity. When you can care about others because you care about yourself, and you're not receiving anything back from it. You're just giving, you're just giving your feelings to them. Damn. We got to record. We got, we got to get that part down. It's barometer. Oh my gosh. You are something else, Billy. It's a barometer it, it, of maturity. And for me, it's been the greatest. When I exist in that space, that's when I'm the greatest leader of my yes. family mm. and for my team. They, wow. they know I care about them with, with just as human beings, not for what they can do for me, not for what they will do, what they can, nothing about it. It's just that I care about them and love them. Yep. No strings attached. I mean, I could talk to you days because you take everything we do and you put it in your own phrase and because you've been digesting this work for a while and the way it comes out is just so transferable. I mean, it really, you paint words, you paint pictures with your words, you paint sceneries i mean think about what you just said it's just barometer of maturity that you that you loved yourself and you love others with no no expectation like what the christmas that's that's powerful all right brother we're we're winding this down tell us you had your 20 year old son come with you this is three days of what i would i've done a gazillion men things i mean gazillion i, I was searching for my masculinity my manhood I was searching for my father's blessing. I just wanted to hear a man say he's a proud proof. I've spent a lot of damn money going to a lot of training. Religious, non-religious. I mean, you literally, I've probably done everything out there um, that at least within the last 10, 20 years ago. New stuff, probably not because I stopped going to as many. But here's the point. I've never been one, because I designed this one, as vulnerable. Meaning we're constantly 
talking about our emotions. We're constantly talking about our history. We're bringing everything out into the light. So we're not ashamed. There's no shame and guilt holding it in. How did you feel three days just constantly bringing things into light with your 20-year-old son in the room? Well, first of all, I had, I had, I had done years of work with him being vulnerable. And so I knew, well, just the arc of our relationship was healed, improved, repaired, whatever kind of word you want to put on it with me being, it took me being vulnerable and telling him that I wanted a good relationship, you know? Um, And once I was vulnerable with him, that's what really started to heal it and bring us together. Now those three days in the room of just being vulnerable for me, that was okay. Cause I'd already stepped into that space. You know, we had stepped into that space together actually. So anything he said, or I said, yeah, there was just, it was just, it was, there was just love around it. Well, I don't but, know. Brother. Remember we had picked uh he had a buddy, you had a buddy, and we're picking groups, and we we're going to go to lunch, and he picked your group. I said he couldn't because um, whatever reason. But only the lunch question was, tell about your sexual pains and your sexual fears. We're like, aren't you glad he didn't pick you for lunch? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, maybe there are some things that don't need to be said between fathers and sons, but I don't know. Is that is that the old American story? Like, I, I think, you know, it depends on the on the child. And I think parent relationship. I don't see. That's why I love this work. I just live in the 95. I have no certainty and it, it does not right or wrong. It's not good or bad. It's does it work or not work and depends on the, the parent and the relationship. It might work. Others, it doesn't. You know what I mean? Or timing, you know. I mean, I can definitely say that I'm a better father now than I was yesterday and the day Absolutely. before that. And the years before that. And it really has to do is because I've been vulnerable. I've tried to be authentic. I want them to know who I am. I don't want there to be questions if I'm gone, when I'm gone about who I was. Mm-hmm. Wow. All the, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Hey, what were your power words uh, the men said to you at the end? They were love, wisdom, and I forgot to look. <laughs> I didn't know there was going to be a quiz, Sebastian. Vulnerable. Vulnerable. Yeah. Ah, that's what I've been yeah. talking about. All, I know your hour. favorite one, too. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, here, here's the coolest thing, Billy. The reason I brought that up is because the word wisdom was the final archetype I just want to talk about. Uh, and then you give your biggest takeaway. And that archetype was um, the sage or the magician. He's the philosophical person. He's a sage, a spiritual person. And what, why we think it's important that you know that you're not always living as a king. You're not always living as a warrior. You're not always living as a lover. You're not always living as a, a, a magician or a sage. You choose what is needed and what in the moment. You no, know, you have all four archetypes in you. At work, you need to be a king at times. Only you come home, also your kids need you to be what? A sage. Then your wife might have right next minute needs you to be a lover. And so we could pull it all out like this. But when a man is one dimensional, 
What do you think? Yeah, they're not in. They're not. They're not in integrity because they're hiding the other areas. And yeah, there were many years when all I was was the warrior trying to build a business and just being so hard, and it was all like charge, 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 charge. And I was definitely not in integrity during those times with myself. That's all that mattered, right? That's really the definition. Yep, integrity to yourself. It's not about other people. It's about your word and you honoring your own word. It's with you. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you because I just want to let you know that sage already just lived in you. I think anybody watch this in the last 30 minutes realize you have tons of wisdom and that is the side of the sage. And even if we're like that for our children, which we want to be, we want to have the answer and we want to guide them in their journey. You know, we want to be their sage. But if that's all you are, when they need you to be a warrior and you're not there, like you said, you have integrity. They need you to be the king, teach them some strategy, how to have order, how to expand their kingdom. You're out of integrity. They need, definitely need you to learn, teach them how to be a lover and how to connect with their emotions because all these, now as they get older, they're having different kind of relationships and how to be empathetic someone else's relationship. And all you're being as a sage, giving wisdom, then you're out of integrity. I love how you said that. You're out of integrity with yourself because you know there's more. You're not bringing that person out into the light. Excellent. That's beautiful. All right, brother, we're getting to the end here. What was your biggest takeaway you were sharing earlier um, from the men's training? You know, my biggest takeaway was through an exercise that we did. Um, when I was speaking to my son and just realizing or, you know, speaking the power I see in you is the exercise. Yep. And, um, uh, just speaking to him about the power I see in him and the, what I came to. And one thing that just came to my mind, cause it's, you know, you're just trying not to, you're not really thinking about it. You're just bringing it out of your heart. And my takeaway was the power I see in him was that I want to be just like him. Hmm. It really made me think about like, why did I say that? And it's, what I see in him is everything that I wanted to be and that I want to be, you know, it's almost like a do over. And that was just a powerful revelation for me to realize that like so many of my actions and steps have been through that. But, and again, I need to just let him be his own person and his own man. Wow. That is, that is a powerful um, experience to see that in him, you know, and just wanting to be able to, to capture. And I, what I interpret from that is just what I heard is, you know, just he's at the stage, he's 20. He's still raw, figuring himself out. He hasn't defined himself a lot. I'm sure he has up 20, there's a lot of pressure, but he hasn't made the mistakes. You and I have a 50 year old man or the shame and the guilt that came with it. And the, uh, uh, things we're trying to hide in shadow and darkness. And I, I don't know, looking into his eyes in that moment and saying the power of seeing you and wanting to have that, that authenticity he had, that rawness, that curiosity in his eyes, that adventure. He's ready to go on this huge adventure and find life. You know what I mean? I mean, right. I could totally see that. And how many, you know, I'm thinking for John, I don't know if you had the conversation with him. I wonder what he felt when you said that. You know what I mean? To receive the Father's blessing. 
because you read all the statistics, everything, most men in prison never had the father's blessing. That's why he's in there. He was still trying to prove himself. And you gave him the father's blessing. Yes, without a doubt. And, you know, that other takeaway that I take from that is that, like, there's no question. There's, like, no question there. Like, I accept him. I'm proud of him. And there's just no, it doesn't matter. Like, if I'm biding on the way home in Dallas today from a semi, it's just like, there's, it's, it's there. Like he has no question that, that my love for him is whole and complete. Dude, that is so powerful. You're a powerful man. I think it's going to take more semi, put you, a semi to put you down, Billy. <laughs> it's going to take a lot more than one semi. We're trying to get out of the way. Trust me. Yeah. Okay. How about this? There's a doctor watching like you. He's done the work like you. Um, he has a relationship with his son like you. And maybe he's feeling like, you know what? My cup really is full. You know, I've done the work. I'm faithful in what I do. And you know, it's obvious. There's other doctors like, hey, man, I want to I want to be like Billy. I want to talk like Billy. I want to be able to, to say and look at my son that I like Billy or my daughter and, and just tell them, un, un, what's the word I'm looking at? Without any question or doubt, they would know, unreserved, they would know that they are loved unconditionally without strings attached. They're whole and complete and that there's, you have no expectation for them, just them being them. But there's a couple of men out there says, you know, I've been doing the work. My cup is pretty much full. Um, I don't know. I'm thinking about it. You say a couple of things there, Billy, but why should I go to this training? Now, more or less with or without my son, but why should I go for myself? I'm like you, Billy. Successful, 20-something years of my own practice, reaching 50-plus. Is this really – is there anything out there for me still? I've lived a good life. What would you tell them? I want you to depart some wisdom from one sage to another. You know what? I was sitting in that same mindset. But it was just my ego and my pride talking. Like, if you're a man and you're not emotionally distant in some aspect of your life, you're probably kidding yourself. <laughs> Especially in America. And especially if you went to dental school or, or <laughs> medical school, because I went to both of them. And um, if you want your life to be changed for the better, then you need to do the work on yourself before you ever point a finger at anyone else. And that's you know from the journey. Yeah. You know what I love about you. Well, you know how I train. I'm I am. Your, yeah. That's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah. I'm crazy. I'll yell up in your face. I'll cuss at you. I'll do all this stuff. And here you are. I'll, I call that kicking him in the dick, right? I'm like, ah, and here you are. Well, you're fooling yourself. <laughs> it's like, what the? You just kicked him in the dick in the most nice way, dude. That was beautiful, Billy. So, yeah, you're fooling yeah. yourself. I'll stand there with you. That's true. Even myself. I'm still doing the work every day. Because there's sometimes I don't want to meet you. I want to meet you because you're like the Buddha. Yeah, I know, right? If somebody, I will, hey, Billy and I will come see where you're at. If you're like alive, we need to learn Buddha from you. And Jesus and Muhammad all together. <laughs> and I want to meet you. Yes. Hey, hey, I'm with you. We'll ride motorcycles, go see you because you've actually arrived, right? And then this, you know what's the most beautiful way? You and I could joke about because we realize we're not there. 
you know, and I love being around men like that. We don't have anything to prove. We're always constantly in this discovery mode of how can we be the greater version of ourselves for what's needed in this moment, for our vision that we're committed to, for our family, you know, and then our calling, you know, how can we be that man? And like you said, we, we never arrive. So I love it. I love it. One day, I hope some woman's listening out there one day said and goes, hey, how come Dental Syndicate doesn't have a woman's training? And I'll say it's because you haven't stepped up yet. I would yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. Wouldn't that be amazing? That'd be amazing. Well, my yeah. brother, I love you tons. We have had two years of great relationship together. I think we have many more coming. And I'm just so grateful for you. I, great memories uh, of us in the training room and outside. And I can't wait to celebrate your 50th birthday, ride motorcycles across Thailand into Vietnam. <laughs> yeah, I just you're just gonna have to tell me what the stuff is we're eating. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. We have a tour guide that goes in front of us. Sometimes <laughs> probably better you don't ask. Just eat it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, love you, my brother. Thank you for all your right. time love and thanks for giving away. Love you, Sebastian. I'll talk to you soon. All righty, bye.